Hey everybody, welcome back to a Sunday with Schlegs. It is the difference, and we are here to talk about it's the off date. So Anthony Schlegel right there, the man himself. Let's go. The, the difference maker. He said, Hey, send me some questions. We don't have a game to break down this week. He wants to open the mailbag, and so we're going to. Um, but first of all, just hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, a little bit more to go, and if you need some time to to kill and listen to some Buckeyes talk before getting into Iowa week, we are here to provide that. Uh, halfway point, and the Buckeyes are looking pretty good, Schlegs. Yeah, um, Buckeyes are looking really good. And as a former silver bullet, <clears throat> I love the way they're looking on defense, and especially when you have such a high-powered offense like we have, to be able to have confidence that regardless of what the opponent does uh, offensively, you can counter it. I mean, we saw in the Notre Dame game a team that really wanted to old school trestle ball, having some people that are over there, right, that played for Coach Tress. Yep. Understanding that mindset of field position, time of possession, run the clock, to be able to play that type of game, first game out of the year, uh, and win it and really win the fourth going back to everything that transpired the year before of not being able to stop the run, being able to stop the run, but also run the football at will, 14-play drive, 90-something yards for a touchdown. To be able to win the line of scrimmage and be tough like that, great way to start off the season. And as we progressed and you look, guys are getting more comfortable uh, in the defensive scheme. Guys are playing really, really fast. I mean – the athleticism on our defense, and I, I remember this back in 2014. I, I just very vividly remember uh, the Alabama game and just going out there for, for pregame warmups. And I was like, man, these are some big dudes. But <laughs> they looked very stiff, and our guys were, like, jacked and athletic. And I'm like, that's what you want. And that's kind of what I see from our defense. You have a bunch of guys that are hungry, that play with a chip on their shoulder, that run to the football. And, yeah, they might – they might lose an edge just a little bit, but they can make it up. And they're all pursuing to the football, but they also know what to do. Mm-hmm. So part of that in pursuit allows you to play fast because you know uh, exactly what is expected of you. On both sides of the football, are there things that you need to fix here and there? Absolutely. I mean, five weeks in, yes. But from the jump, the way that the defensive looked, um, I'm really excited about what the second part of the season holds. I think that they're going to get better. I think that they're going to come back healthier. And I think that they're going to be ready to make a run on this last stretch. And then offensively, you know, there's only one football. Guys are coming <laughs> back. And, yes, they will add value. But, I mean, just the way that everybody has been able to step up and contribute and how good those guys have been that haven't been playing. And the fact in the the NIL world that we live in, you see a team that supports each other, that wants each other to be successful, but is also not afraid to go out and compete, beat somebody out and go get theirs too. That's right. that's healthy. That's that's what you want to see. And I think that all stems from Ryan Day and his staff by being real with the guys, but also even from Urban Meyer's days of that competitive excellence, it's just something that permeates that building. Schlegs, like it was going to be impossible to know exactly what a Jim Knowles defense was going to look like, and I think maybe some of us thought there would be, I don't know, a learning curve, growing pains, what have you, 
you know, Tanner McAllister transferred over from Oklahoma State as part of that, like help teach the guys how yes. how Jim Knowles communicates, like what the scheme is going to be like. But almost right off the jump, like I, I haven't seen from where I sit, which is uh, a much more amateur perspective than obviously yours, like it doesn't seem like this team misses a lot of assignments. And even if they do, as you said, they've been able to make up with it with some of the athleticism. Like it, it's vastly exceeded my expectations for, expectations for how quickly it could come together. And I don't know how you feel about that. Well, the reason I was just writing down missed assignments and the reason that you don't see guys out of position or missing assignments is because the system was the system from day one. There's not a lot of adjustments that have to be made. And if there are, they've already been made prior to, mm-hmm. right? So he knows exactly how he wants to adjust to whatever package or situation arises because he's been doing that in this system for so long. So when you, when you're not making adjustments because, Oh, this is a weakness. Hey guys, we got to kind of go back to the well and redraw this up. Yeah. That's when guys get confused. And when you don't have that, because the man has been doing it his entire career, guys understand, they understand where it fits in that system. And then they can go play because it's all about knowing the why of the defense and your responsibilities. And then it, as you make adjustments, it just, it flows. And so I think that's why you're seeing guys uh, play fast, not miss, miss assignments, not make mistakes uh, like mm-hmm. you did in the past. Because again, I mean, 18, 22 year olds, they're coached and they do what they're coached to do. That's right. Um, that's a good point. All right. So we'll get to the reader questions for you. Oh, and, and side nugget, because I said that. Yeah. Look at the way our offensive plays. I mean, because they also know because they also know, but I think they take them to the why, uh, especially like Brian does. I mean, they all, they all do, but I look at the route running and the adjustments that they make and the expectations on our wide receivers to understand coverage and what to do on certain routes and being able to dissect that pre-snap. And while you're running all those coaching cues that Brian does for them and, and coach day in that passing game, Mm-hmm. Those things are also why Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are the top two rookies of the class right now in the NFL. Yeah. So I just I think it's a testament to the coaching that we have at Ohio State. There you go. I, I just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, there seems to be really, really strong staff alignment for that group right now. Uh, obviously, they've got uh, at least six more and potentially nine more games to prove that. We'll see how they do. And helpfully, some of our readers wanted you to name some Second half, they didn't say difference makers, but I knew that's what they meant because that's what we call it on Sundays with Schlegs. But they want to know who's going to lead the Buckeyes in sacks, who's going <laughs> to lead in interceptions, and who's going to be the biggest surprise from the defense at the end of the year. So that's you're gazing into your crystal ball, Schlegs, and you've got some difference makers there with sacks, interceptions, and somebody who might uh, surprise down the stretch. I, you know, I could see I could see McAllister only leading in in. Oh no, I'm I, I'm going back and forth between him and Hickman <laughs> on on interceptions. Um, I don't think it will be from the corners because it's it's just a different ball. It will be somebody that's ranging out there, and that that also might be you know Lathan. Yeah. Uh, so I would say it either nickel or safety, right? Okay. Middle field safety. Uh, because of pressure. I think that I've been thinking about the sack analysis. <laughs> and I mean, again, easy to put your money on my call right now because he leads everybody by two sacks. <laughs> yeah, right? that's and how that interior, helps. And he's an interior lineman. And 
you know, somebody also said, like, are they are are they rotating the D line too much? And if there's somebody I'm going to trust uh, unequivocally with how he wants to rotate his line, it would be Larry Johnson. But it's also getting guys reps to see what 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 kind of value they could have or add in different situations as you get into the meat of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't worry about that. They need live bullets. There's only so many in a game, especially when, you know, you beat every opponent. I think there's only two teams that have beat every opponent by double digits. And it's Ohio state. And like some, I, I forget it's a smaller school. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily going to come from the edge and as you pointed out previously in other comments, I mean, JT's being held uh, <laughs> tremendously. I, I think a lot of it is going to come up front because our pass rush has been good on the edge. Guys are going to step up, and that's kind of where those sacks come, come from, especially, you know, how um, Tommy has been able to get, what, two and a half sacks, and they've all been up the middle on mm-hmm. like what we used to call Alaska or a Bama stunt um, coming inside. So I'm going to stay with Mike only because the fact that – what do you have last week? He had two last week and played seven snaps. Two and a half and seven, and seven snaps. Seven snaps, it's pretty good. yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty good average. I mean, that's a good day. <laughs> are, are we rotating enough? Probably not a not then, you know, not enough uh, when guys can come in and seven plays and get two and a half sacks. So I don't really know. I think it's going to be very even across the board. How about that? I'll put it that yep. way. Uh, the, the only way they'll come – is if you get a a good team that can air it out and we are up on them and they have to go throw the ball, that's when they'll start happening because then they can't just nickel and dime it. But, you know, by that time, we're probably already putting other people in. So I think the sacks will kind of be consistent throughout the board. So you'll go with the guy that will be in the middle that can get some of those. What was the next one? Tackles, Tommy. But I, I love the fact that it's Tommy and Steele leading the way mm-hmm. on tackles. So that's yeah. Um, Two I'm wondering just so Burn brought this up. He's like, well, this this fact that it's been legal to hold the Buckeyes for other Big Ten teams has been going on longer than than you've covered the team, Austin. I'm like, uh, all right, that's maybe. I don't remember. Did they change that rule while you while you were in school in school schlegs or like Bobby and in age where is it legal to hold those guys off the corner and some of those great pass rushers that were uh, already in the on the Buckeyes in the early two thousands? It's kind of like the uh, roughing the passer rule now uh, in the NFL for quarterbacks, where you you have to lay them down gently. Um, you know, <laughs> put a pillow underneath. Think, put a pillow underneath. You see all you see all the the memes and, and the different things that people are posting, which are really comical. <laughs> but it's almost like, well, you know what that that was a hold, but was it that bad of a hold? Because could he have gotten a sack or not? He probably could have, but. The game's so far out of reach, I just don't want to call it. Right. You know, and that, and really it's not fair to the guys that are working their face off. Like if it's a if it's a foul, call the foul, man. I mean, you know, do your job back there. But it is kind of comical, <laughs> you know, that, that does that, that does occur. All right. But I will say this too, man. You look at our offensive line, you know, on the flip side, our offensive line has been playing fantastic. And I, I don't sit down and break down film as to how many we get away with, but probably zero. So we probably get away with none and we probably get so many on the defense. That's ridiculous. But I think that's probably a a net win for Ohio state, right? If they don't call it on Ohio state's offensive line, they're the, the silver bullets are probably going to win more matchups going the other way. Like, all right, just play ball. then. 
Yeah, just go play ball. Hey, you know what? Our offense is going to keep moving it down the field. You're only getting a limited amount of shots anyways. It's all, it's all right. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that way, but that's a good way of looking at it. Okay. Um, two different people wanted you to talk about hunting, and this show yeah. has a limit. We can't, to- we can't go for three hours, Slags. People no have doubt, other man. things to do other things to do on their Sunday. They want to know, first of all, this one will probably be a shorter story if it was true, and you did confirm it on Twitter uh, earlier, uh, that you did kill a squirrel and put it in Bob's locker. Yes, so facts. I, that's a fact. And then the best hunting trip that you've ever been on. Yeah, so, I mean, it's side nugget, Buckeye Nation, the Buckeye Brotherhood, a guy that I coached at Ohio State, Craig Feta, great dude. His brother Kyle is actually a sheriff in the um, Jacksonville Jacksonville's sheriff office. I just went fishing with him um, a couple of days ago, which was super fun. Just catching, you know, reds and trout and and I don't know. We caught some stingrays. They get those are minus points catching catfish like, <laughs> in the intercoastals and a minus point. Uh, but it's been really fun hanging out with him. Uh, that story with Bob, absolutely it happened. You know, they used to say like I was a, a urban cowboy, a hillbilly. I saw Bobby kind of post a story about that too. And, you know, <laughs> we would go out and it'd be in the fall. And they're like, Schlitz, what are you doing? Because, you know, I really didn't go to a lot of classes. I came from the Air Force Academy and, you know, people were putting notes online. I mean, this was back in 2004. I'm like, why? All right, first off, I went to the Air Force Academy. They wouldn't let me in Fisher College of Business. So I'm in the College of Human Ecology, and I don't even know what that is. Not cosmetology, <laughs> human ecology. And uh, they're putting all the notes online. They only take attendance when, you know, you have to take a test. I'm like, this is this is easy. So I would go hunt. Uh, and then, and when, it, when it wasn't super cold, I'd go play golf. It was great. Um, and lift yeah. weights. It's perfect. You know, anyways, I digress. So, so they were talking trash to me. I think it was a Friday. Um, I think it was a Friday. Might've been before our senior day versus Northwestern. I don't, I don't really kind of remember, but I know it was sometime in November and they were talking trash and I just went outside and I was like, you know what? Bump this. I got my bow in the back. And this was back when the Woody, when there was like trees and stuff by the indoor, there wasn't the facility that is there now. And, um, yeah, I just happened to smoke one on a tree from like 30 (laughs) yards and, uh, we had just got done doing arms and stuff in there. Like our, our Friday ritual pump time gets swole. And then we'd go watch film and I did it just kind of real nonchalantly. And then I went and got like a Nike box and made like a, like a living room. I made like a whole setup out of it and I stuck it in his locker. And, uh, so when he got out of the shower, he had, he had somebody to greet him. Um, normally I eat everything that I kill in that instance. I didn't, but you know, <laughs> it was one of those things where I was just, I was just tired of that. Like, you go out and hunt all this time and you don't ever come back with anything. I'm like, yeah. Cause I'm, you know, I, I'm only going to kill and, and eat it. So I'm like, I'm not just going to go out there and just shoot something to shoot some. But then I did, I did that squirrel. So I guess that really doesn't <laughs> hold true to my values, uh, as far as it, but yeah, it was nonetheless a good story. Um, and then probably best hunting adventure I've ever been on. Uh, you know, there was, um, there was a hog hunting trip that I went on where I probably killed my biggest boar ever, but it was also probably the, the, I would say most life threatening one as well, mm. because it was, I mean, you gotta remember, so this is probably, this is probably like February in Texas, so it can still get kind of cold. And we had a cold front, and we were on this big track of land, and it was right on the Trinity River. Anyways, 
we're um, dogs are bait up, and I mean, I, th- you're just like having a beeper, and it's like tracking where the dogs are, and you're just like walking and running to go get to them. Anyways, I had uh, you know my catch dog and, and another dog named Bill, and we're going to where they are, and I'm like, oh, I know right where that is. They're they're right on the river. Okay, this is going to be quick. Hopefully, it's on the other side. No big deal. So we're going, and then all of a sudden. Boom, this dog that I'm with, Bill, he just strikes out on his own. And I'm just like, hold up. And it was just me and me and a friend and a buddy. And he strikes out and all of a sudden just starts opening up. I'm like, that's a pig. So it's about 150 yards away in thick, thick stuff. We run in there and then it kind of elevated up. I don't know. I would say it kind of elevated up to where it's like you're going up an embankment. That would be like a two-story house, like, like up a hill. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're going up a hill and there's all this cedar thicket and thorns and you're just going through there and you let the catch dog go. And then all of a sudden I just saw the catch dog flip backwards and I'm climbing up the hill and he f- flies off behind me. And then my other catch dog flies off behind him. And I'm just like, and I'm just going up there and then they go back in and simultaneously I'm in this thicket and my buddy's down at the bottom and there's a 380 pound boar in there. And I just I had to take care of them, you know? So, so that was it. And my other dogs are in the river. So I end up killing this pig and you know, it's, it's at night. So I just have a headlight on it's dogs yeah. and a knife and boom, I drag this down. We leave it. I know where it is. You know, it's kind of off the road. I, I'm just dragging this thing back. Then we go down to the river and sure enough, two of my dogs and this pig that was about 200 pounds are all the way across the other side of this river, the Trinity. So I'm like, well, there's only one way to do this and you don't want them to drown. And so I'm like, well, I just walked up, I don't know, as far as I could, or I thought it's probably like another 200 yards. The current was moving and I just went in and I, I, I can't swim very well. Okay. Okay. So I dog paddled aggressively with the current across you know, it'd be like across the Sciota, yeah. you know, with a current and got over there, killed that pig, landed them all up together and then swam back across as the dogs are kind of pulling me and I'm kicking and I'm holding this. <laughs> I mean, the pig was floating, which was good because I gutted it before and we floated back across the river and then I had another mile and a half. So I backpacked that 200 pounder and then the boar hog, you couldn't eat it. So took its head, put it in the backpack, had the 200 pounder, my buddies leading the dogs out and we had to walk another mile and a half back to my truck. And it's probably 40 to 38, like, you know, in that range. And I'm just, I'm just happy I'm moving, you know? And then I got in there and you always, I mean, when you're a hillbilly, you just always got a spare clothes. You have all these different things, got to the truck. And it was, it was a, it was an adventure. Let me tell you. Well, I mean, you performed to the level of your tra- of your training, Schlegs. That's the way it That's goes. That's right. That um, was my conditioning, right there. <laughs> That's what we used to do. I remember. I mean, even from the time I was 16 years old, I would go out and hunt pigs with dogs and a knife. And in the summer, I would go out there just, you know, stupid. But I no shirt, and I would just get tore up from the thorn bushes and stuff I ran through. And I, I would go to school like that. And like people were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "This is how I do it." You know, and I trained at Metroflex gym. I'm like, this is what we're about. <laughs> this, 
<laughs> how, how does my wife stay with me from the time I was 16 years old? God bless her. Well, she found something that she liked and loved and, yeah. uh, you know, my personality, that's what it is. Uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to take a wild shot in the dark that Kate Sover is probably your favorite of the current craft. Kate's crop my guy, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. 100% he is. And I, so, I mean, I love the way that they're using him. He's a, he's a dude, man. Just when called upon, he'll respond, whatever you need him to do. He's a, and he's tough, man. He's tough. Yeah. So you probably haven't got a chance to lift or, or work out with him. But the other question, the last one that we're going to get to before we wrap up on uh, the difference uh, Sunday with Schlegs is uh, they wanted to know who you thought were the biggest freaks that you ever you either lifted with yourself or when you were helping out Mick. Uh, you know, we know that you were around Johnny Simon. He, when, it, when it came to my mind, like who could Schlegs say? Uh, I know his reputation is certainly out there for one of the wildest, uh, most aggressive dudes in the yes. weight room. But but I don't want to steal your answer from you. Who do you who comes to mind for you for the biggest workout freak in the Woody? I mean, I've been I've been very fortunate to have worked out with some freaks in my life. I mean, I have trained with Ronnie Coleman before, uh, Branch Warren. He won the Arnold multiple times. He's a freak. Johnny Jackson, like I mean, big time bodybuilders. Josh Bryant, power lifter, guys that set world records and stuff. And then, you know, it's very different. And, it, and in college, like, there are some guys that are just absolute freaks that could put on a lot of weight. But there's also a, a point in football where there's, you know, too much limited returns. Right? Yeah. Like, why do you need to – you don't need to deadlift 720 pounds. You don't need to squat 700, right? So, like, Billy Price could squat the house. Like, he was really strong. I would say probably strongest um, – was Corey. Corey could do whatever he wanted to do. And the best was him and John Simon and the banter from, I think they had a powerlifting contest up there somewhere <laughs> in Northeast Ohio. And I think they split squat and bench and deadlift. They might've tied something like that. I, I think John still says that he won that because he was lighter, but though he was a heavyweight. Um, and it's still fun to hear them razz about that. John could do a ton. Jo uh, Joey, was extremely strong in the lower body, but we also didn't put a lot of weight on his back because he didn't need to. And he had some other, other issues. Um, so it's like, why? But he was yeah. extremely strong. I know just because I left right when Nick was coming in, Nick Bosa was a freak. I'll tell you this. I remember one time when I, when I first got to Ohio state, two freaks uh, that were there Maurice Claret, I remember one time I, I immediately liked Maurice because he was in there on his own squatting heavy. And I think I had just got to campus like, uh, can I squat with you? It's like, hey, it's like gym <laughs> bros. Like, hey, can I can I squat with, with you like this? You know, and then, you know, they would razz me like I didn't get enough depth or whatever. I'm like, you know, whatever. Right? I'll, 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 I'll deadlift you or, or something like that. Um, but Maurice was the absolute freak in the weight room. And, but Andy Katzenmoyer is still, I mean, he's still a freak. And yeah. he's, I remember when we were in there, he was in the league, I believe. And he had, he had like hand cleaned like 405 with some straps on, like it was nothing. And then just no step, just straight up jumped and touched the ceiling. I'm just <laughs> like, what, it, what, who is like, if that's what linebackers are like at Ohio State, I should have went to South Carolina, you know, <laughs> if that's what AJ and Bobby are doing. And, you know, and, and to those guys' credits too, like 
lifting is one thing, but being able to have the total package and being able to be athletic and run. I mean, I was very blessed that I got to play uh, in, in between two absolute freaks in of themselves. Cause I mean, we all, I think benched over four during that time. I think Bobby had the highest bench and, and, you know, squats were kind of my thing and deadlift, but still, I mean, these guys, but AJ even running like a four, four at pro day. I mean, I still mesmer, like think about yeah. that, you know? And then somebody did also ask who cut their hair first. And it was a very easy answer. Oh, that's, that's why I was going to answer it. <laughs> I cut mine first because I had kids first. That's and right. When your kids start playing with your hair more than their mom's hair, I was like, it's time to cut it. So I cut it. <laughs> And then I believe it went to AJ. And then lastly was Bobby holding on to, to it with every fiber of his being. But he also he loved those it. locks. He cut it on the Buckeye Cruiser Cancer. And, and hey, he he raised $10,000 for somebody to cut his hair on the Buckeye Cruiser Cancer. Very memorable. So that's, that's the way you can do it. Man, there was so like Dante Whitner was really, really strong. He was put together, man. He was a unit. Dante yeah. was, you know, he played that nickelback. He would have been great. He would have loved this system. Like I, I look at this system a lot like it was in 2005 where, you know, we could play an under front with Bobby as a stand up nine technique. Mm -hmm. And then we could also play 30 package where Bobby went and put his hand on the ground as an outside five technique. And Dante came up and was our nickel. I mean, dudes, you know? Yeah. So I, I kind of see, how this defense is playing. And I, I kind of look back at that with some affinity. Well, yeah, it's fun to watch for sure. Um, and it has been uh, all year and we're halfway through it uh, somehow already at that off date and the Buckets have awesome? already won six games. Let's go. And it's, time just flies and it helps that we have uh, Sundays with Schlegs to help make that pass. Uh, he's got the difference going, the difference makers, and we're going to be back next week and we'll actually have another game to break down. But hey, if you've got more questions for us, I think Schlegs has got plenty of time and, and willingness to do and answer whatever you have on your mind out there. We appreciate everyone who's been watching, uh, and we've got a lot more to go. Ohio State plays Iowa Saturday at noon. We'll break it down the next day, a Sunday with Schlegs, the difference, and the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this on the off date. He's Schlegs. I'm Austin. We will see you next week.